Pastor Ray and Fran Dirksen have led us these past 22 years to grow in our relationship with Jesus and to be renewed, and now they're spreading that message around the world. They have taught us, loved us, and pushed us to seek God and to hear His voice. We celebrated what God has done through them on September 23rd and 24th. We also transitioned the lead pastor role to Chris Dirksen. God has done many things in our church, and we praise Him for that. Jesus said, my host shall be called a what? We all know that. You know, somebody said to me uh, one day, said, Ray, when you leave, I think the thing that I will remember you for, that you felt that prayer was important, uh, I believe it's absolutely essential. And a lot of churches are in a mess because they don't base what they do on prayer. That was probably my first impression of Ray was... He didn't have the pride to hold him back where, you know, one vote didn't take in, oh, then I'm not coming back. It was, you know, he had a bigger perspective. And I remember that making an impression on me. I was hoping he would allow himself to come back for that second vote. And when he did without seemingly any hesitation, I knew that there was some humility and it, it made a big impression on me anyway, for, for sure and hearing him tell that story from his perspective, it's like he went into prayer, right? He didn't, like you say, go and feel sorry for himself, right? right. He was actually praying while we were trying to figure out, we want a pastor, we want a pastor, right? He's praying about it. I think that made an impression on me because he came into the church, just kind of slid into the seats, right? He didn't make, hey, I'm here to save you because he had this verse. I'm going to the land of milk and honey. Well, that's Kleefeld, right? No, he didn't go, hi, I'm your pastor because God told me to come here. Mm -mm. He, he sat in the rows and he watched how the church handled this whole thing, right? And then humbly he came forward. And I think it was because he had a calling, yeah. he and Fran had a calling to come back to this area. And now we see years later, it's church renewal, right? But that was, I mean, that was 21, 22 years ago. And uh, we are from this area. Uh, we both grew up here. This is our home. We were gone for, for uh, 18 uh, years. I lived in Calgary for three. I flew for a regional air carrier and then were called me into uh, ministry. Went to Southern Ontario, did some training, planted a church in Woodstock, Ontario. Did that for eight years. Pastored it for eight years. And then the Lord called us uh, back this way. We thought we were just going to finish off another master's degree and then head out west. Lined up in the church over here, and uh, a year after we became members here, there was an opportunity here. The truth of the matter is they were desperate. And, uh, and I happened to be there, and they said, well, we'll take anything. And, uh, so, I, so I landed up here, and uh, we've been here for the last five years. For me, growing up in the church, I always found actually very humbling or really awe-inspiring the fact that Pastor Ray himself would never downplay his own mistakes and, and just being a storyteller, right, and, and never shying away from his own downfalls and, and using that to further God's glory. And I know that as a storyteller, he would always, uh, I was in School of Ministers, so he would come to School of Ministers to teach the course how Christianity changed the world. But it just always ended up being like an hour of him telling his own stories about his own experiences in Woodstock and in, you know, his own. And it, these are stories that 
I think I've heard, you know, dozens of times over the years through services and stuff, but I never get tired of them, right? You never get tired of hearing just those amazing experiences with God, and that's what kind of spurs us on to keep going, right? And, and for me to seek out my own experiences with God and, and in the church and through ministry and stuff, so... I think I really loved that too, the fact that he was a storyteller and there was so much to learn from his stories um, because we could see how God was working in his life and how God was teaching him to listen, that God was teaching him to obey and through those stories we realized that we, hey, we have our own stories too and we were able to see that we couldn't put him on a pedestal because he was just like us, right? Mm -hmm. You couldn't put our pastor on a pedestal because he went through real challenges in his life just like we did. The years that Fran was going through all her surgeries and just like major health issues and and uh, just thinking back to how like Pastor Ray would be sitting with her in the hospital all week and then on Sunday he would come and preach. There was no other pastors to preach, there was no other teaching team and like just that dedication to both his wife and his church was just amazing. Well then he started the whole thing about prayer which was, uh, which I remember the, the early part of those prayer meetings. So we went into that funeral home across the street. Operation Prayer. Operation Prayer. And I remember we learned how to pray uh, in unison. And I remember that I was wishing that Chris Dirksen would just go quieter because I couldn't, <laughs> I could not, I could not even concentrate on myself. Tilly says she just started praying with him instead because she couldn't, couldn't get in line. But, but it was a real learning process, right? So we got, I remember when we had 35 people, 35 people, that was like kind of a real milestone. I mean, we weren't that big a church. But then I remember we get into the into our own auditorium, and I remember the day that we stretched all the way around that yes, and auditorium, and, and first we started smaller, until we got to the point where we go all the way around the outside wall of the auditorium, and we stretched our hands, and we could touch all the way around, hold hands all the way around. Remember that? Yes, I do. I was going to remember share that, that too. That's awesome. Oh. I think is one of the lasting legacies of Ray is the fact that he opened up his heart, and he showed us his spiritual journey. And then because of that, he brought us along. I mean, we talk about the first time we did unison prayer and how we're kind of awkward looking around. And then we went beyond that. All that kind of stuff was instrumental in bringing us to a point where we're not doing this on our own. We have a journey to go. And he led from the front. He never stopped growing. He kept challenging us. like. How many times didn't you go home from a message going, when can we have a fluffy message where I don't have to change, right? And in all those tough, changing messages, we kept growing. And there was something real there. And that, to me, is probably one of his greatest legacies. I mean, he has a fingerprint in right through my family my life, my spouse's life, my kid's life, and now my grandkid's life. And so what a, what a blessing that he can, can know that, that he, in his obedience to God's leading, has had such a significant impact in a whole family, and that's just one family in hundreds. I think a key thing for Pastor Ray and Fran together um, is they exemplified being ordinary. They were always ordinary people like the rest of us. We're all ordinary people and yet through God and the Holy Spirit have accomplished extraordinary things. 
And I remember years ago when we lived away, I said to Frank, man, you know what? If a group would get, get their act together in Steinbach, they could impact the rest of this country. Ministry isn't about people all being called into vocational ministry. No, no. It's doing everything that you're doing. But we need good, solid churches that come alongside and support what they're doing and encourage evangelism and prayer and, and renewal principles and all that kind of stuff, right? That's what we need. You could never have dreamed this up. Right. Like, you could never have controlled the variables. You could never have had all the meetings and the impromptu contacts and, and all the things that went down for all the different ways for this to happen. It's such a God thing. But again, it's going through a, a person who, who listened. That will be one of his legacies is listening prayer. Yeah. It's uh, such yeah. a key aspect of what he's brought to, to the church. And the one thing about Ray is that he's never been afraid to learn from others. He went to a seminar with Francis McNutt, he and Fran, and he tell, he's told that story about how that became, he asked, how can we do this with more people at one time? And out of that was developed the set free retreat. It didn't matter if this guy was, uh, you know, a different denomination or, or something. It didn't matter. It was what is what is the truth? He would take that and he would learn, and he would grow himself, and then he would bring other people along with him. And, and that is a real key aspect of leadership, which uh, which he really continues to demonstrate today. But it wasn't always, his eye wasn't on Africa or North and, or <clears throat> South no. America. It was on Steinbeck first. Right. And, that, and that's very true. I think Church Mill, where it started, it started here, in renewing us. Yeah. Renewing, uh, because church renewal is really about renewing, renewing people. Mm -hmm. And that's why when we, when we, that's why we bring people here to experience a Church Renewal Weekend. It's not, it doesn't start with, oh, come, we're going to mentor you. Mm -hmm. It starts with, come to set free. So many people come here and say, well, we're going to get something, we're going to write this all down, we're going to go back. And you know what? They're so shocked because there's, it's not like that. It's a renewal of your own heart. And that is really what church renewal is. And I think when he went to, to that seminar, he said, this is going to be a start. So how do you make that work for, every, for, for more people? And then how do you make that work for the next church? So out of but renewal really is a, such an individual thing, but it's a, lots of individuals being renewed that renew a church and renew a nation. There's so many things that, that we see that, you know, if this hadn't happened, then that hadn't happened. But, you know, it, it is God's finger, and, and Ray always says that, that I can't do anything without God, and he always points to that. And, and it, he's, he's right, but it's God's finger and all those things, but God works through people. And, uh, and, and he's working through, he has worked, and he's working through Ray and Fran in that particular ministry. And that is really, that is really where it goes down to, are you, are, you, uh, are you being allowed to be the channel, the vessel through which God is working? So they give me four minutes for 22 years of God's amazing grace. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 to 13 says, Dear brothers and sisters, 
Honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. And live peacefully with each other. So my intention in the next four minutes is to honor Pastor Ray for his leadership to the board and to this church in the last 22 years. I also want to acknowledge that Ray and Fran worked as a team, and one of the board's best decisions was to hire them both. There are different kinds of leaders. There are those leaders who lead by position. People follow them because they have to. Think about the red and blue lights flashing behind your car. And there are leaders who lead by force, dictators like Stalin. And then there are leaders who people just like to be with, people that just choose to follow them. It doesn't matter nearly as much where they're going, but they just want to be on the same bus with them. This kind of leader exemplifies humility and kindness, but in the context of firmness. And Ray is such a leader. I will highlight only three key things that Ray initiated that helped propel this church forward. First of all, Ray committed to long-term ministry at Southland. That was a key to uh, releasing the board to think long-term and to give up control or any assumed control that they might think they had but it really helped to propel things forward. Secondly, teaching us to listen and hear God in prayer. I read a book uh, this last year called The Speed of Trust, and it talks about uh, different, uh, the, different, uh, the way that organizations work that have no trust and those that have a lot of trust. So an example of, of a lack of trust is uh, airport security. There is no trust whatsoever, and it slows things down. And then there's organizations that have a lot of trust, that they trust each other and they trust, they trust those around them. And those kinds of organizations move with lightning speed. And when Ray taught us to seek God and to listen and hear what he said, then when we learn to trust God, trust each other, and uh, hear what he was saying, we could move forward in light, at lightning speed. Thirdly, raised the bar for not only leadership positions, but also membership. This started with our decision not to compromise on baptism and membership and led us to leave the conference that we were at at that time. It also, we also continued to raise the bar for membership to include um, things like the Set Free Retreat and the Hearing God uh, Seminar. And all of these things promote Unity within the church. Ray never expected others to go where he was not prepared to go himself. He led by example. He never pushed the board on his agenda. He gave us time to digest and learn and listen. He led us through listening prayer and discussions on those topics. And he allowed the board to understand and make those changes and approve that before he went on to deliver it to the church. And this takes humility and patience. Ray practices spiritual disciplines in his own life, 
He understands that a leader cannot lead people further than he has developed himself. And perhaps the most important of all is that Ray understands that being a good leader requires him to be a good follower. He follows Jesus well. So it is with profound gratefulness is with profound gratefulness that I thank Ray for his leadership to the board in this church in the last 22 years. And we release and support him in the work that he, continue, that he is continuing and expanding under church renewal. Thank you, Ray. What a celebration this weekend has been. I know many people have been here for quite a few years, and uh, you have incredible memories as well to share. And, and for those who are newer, you're getting a little bit of the heart of our church. Um, we are honoring Pastor Ray and Fran, but we're also lifting up Jesus. We acknowledge that he has built this church. And uh, personally, Pastor Ray and Fran have meant, meant a lot to me over the years. And I've said all weekend here that Pastor Ray has been like an Apostle Paul uh, to me. I came here as a young Timothy I remember one of our earliest conversations going to his office. Many of them were spontaneous conversations. There weren't a lot of planned ones. And honestly, I came into his office with a little bit of the belief that the word balance was a bad word. And it, I was so zealous, and I'm like, it sounded like compromise when I heard the word balance. And I remember Pastor Ray saying in that meeting, balance is a good thing. And I remember the Holy Spirit whispering to me and saying, Chris, you listen to what he has to say. And I haven't stopped listening. Even at 42 now, I still gain a lot from Pastor Ray and Fran. And I, I really appreciate that, pouring your lives into me and to others. Uh, they've also been like spiritual parents to me in many ways. I did not grow up in a Christian home, and, and I recognized one of the things that drew me here. At the time, I didn't recognize it, but later on, I, I noted that I needed, um, I needed their example, what a godly man and a godly woman would look like in a godly marriage and and we'll be forever grateful for that. Thank you for demonstrating that. As a staff and a board, we have a gift for them. Uh, Len is going to unveil it there. It's a baton. And it's meant to represent the transition of this church to Chris, but also uh, a transition, a different type of passing on. And that is a passing on of a godly attitude and character and a spirit. I, I, people often ask me about our church who do not attend here. And I often describe it this way. I say there, there's a tone, a spirit here that is, is just as important as the details, the structure. And Pastor Ray and Fran have, in part through sacrifice, set that tone for us. And so this is the passing on. They're also going to receive an album with a bunch of pictures in it uh, from the past. Um, I, don't, I didn't even remember Pastor Ray looking like that in the video there. I, I didn't recall that. Uh, yeah, Pastor and friend don't recall that either. <laughs> but there will also be pictures in there from this weekend, and, and I know that will be a good memory for them. On the baton are some words that I want to just share with you. You can't read it probably on the screen. On the left side, it, it has Isaiah 26, 12, which is a verse Pastor Ray has shared many times. Lord, you, have, you established peace for us. All that we have accomplished, you have done for us. 
And I think 99% of pastors out there would say those words, but I know watching Pastor and friend over the years that that's a, they, they're genuine when they say that. They recognize it's been God. In the middle, it says, Southland Church, lead pastor, 1996 to 2017. On the right side, it says, Ray Dirksen, in honor of 22 years as lead pastor of Southland Church and 30 years in pastoral ministry. And then in the baton, there's a canvas. All the staff and board have signed that canvas. And also there's some words that have been written there to convey our heart, what they've meant to us. And I'm going to read this. It's on the screen there so you can follow along. Pastor Ray and Fran, with hearts full of gratitude and enduring memories, we honor you for leading us with excellence and integrity. You are worthy of double honor because you have shepherded and taught us while exhibiting characteristics that shine ever so brightly in the universal church and our world. With unending submission to Christ, undeniable steadfastness, consistent humility, unceasing prayer, and genuine love, you have guided us day by day and year by year. For these things, we not only honor you, but bless you in the name of Jesus, the head of the church, for your past, your present, but also for your future. And church, wouldn't you agree? We abundantly bless them for their future as well. God, yes, let's praise God for that. Pastor Ray and Fran, we love you. Thank you so much for what you've done for all of us. In a moment, Pastor Ray is going to give us a charge, which you'll be blessed by. But before that, church family, let's give them a huge hand. Thank you. It's a wonderful gift. Last night I was very confused uh, by it and, uh, because I thought I was handing a baton to Chris and so I thought I'd missed something and they, the whole staff laughed because they could see I was perplexed and I didn't know what to say. So I'm, I'm very thankful and grateful for it. We'll, see, we'll talk more about batons a little bit later. All right, here's a little bit of perspective. Thank you. Uh, Len and Chris, and for the, all the kind words and for all your love. But when I started at Southland 22 years ago, Stefan was 13 and Kim was 14. Today, Lance and Julie's Hallie is 13, and Stefan and Louise's Austin is 14. And uh, that means an entire generation has passed. This weekend, we close, Fran and I close one chapter in, in our lives, 30 years of pastoral ministry. I won't be pastoring a church again, a church. And uh, we open a new chapter, full-time director of church renewal, ministering to hundreds and eventually thousands of pastors across Canada and around the world, together with the Devons and Berrigans and whoever else God brings us. And uh, so I want to, before I get to the charge, there's a few more people that I want to recognize and say thank you to because you never accomplish anything by yourself. And we should never forget that. So for the last two weekends, I've been saying thank you to the various leaders that have carried a huge load here. And now I want to, uh, 
I want to acknowledge a few more people, and I want to begin by thanking you as a church. For a church to grow spiritually and numerically requires much deconstruction and then construction, which means constant change. And one of the bywords around here, in fact, we started, there was so much change happening. I remember in the former church that I was, a, um, a gentleman uh, came, came to me right after a service and he said, Ray, I just want to say to you, I'm thankful for every change you've brought to this church. That was in the first one. And then he said, but will we ever stop changing? Like, can't we ever stop? And I, I puzzled over that. I'd never realized it. I never thought of it. And since then, I've been very cognizant of it. But remember, we used to play with that a lot. But you got so good at it, we never had to talk about it again. But we used to say, there is only one constant in this church. And that is? <laughs> there you go. You still know it. And that's why we don't have to talk about it. So I want to say thank you to you as a church. Uh, I want to say thank you for your trust. A leader can't accomplish anything if people won't trust. 1 Corinthians 13 says that part of love, it always trusts. Now, when somebody breaks trust, then you've got to deal with it. But uh, thank you for your trust, your humility, your love. Oh, my. Loads of love. Uh, just this morning, the choir asked me to come and, and, and be with them. Fran and I came, and they presented us with uh, a CD, or D, yeah, C, CD and, and, and some just lovely things, and lots of tears, lots of love from this church. Your grace, your tireless service, and giving, your example, your prayers, your encouragement along the way. Uh, we don't take that for granted, and we'll be eternally grateful for what you've done for us. Thank you for patiently allowing us to grow and mature as leaders. You know, when, when, you're, when you start a little family, you have no idea what to do with that little baby, right? Like, now what? <laughs> and, uh, and just about the time that they're about to leave the house, right about then, you're just starting to get the hang of the thing. Isn't it true? And now you're ready to parent, and now they leave. Leading a church family is a whole lot like that. You're trying to figure this thing out by the help of the Holy Spirit, and, and just about the time you're about to, you're starting to feel like you're getting the hang of this thing, and the Holy Spirit says, it's time to hand it off. I've got a different assignment now. And now I'm in the same thing. I think, I think it has to do, God wants us to be dependent on Him. When it right, comes right down to it, You've got to depend on him for everything. So God blessed Fran and I with the most wonderful church family. And we mean that from the bottom of our hearts. And now I want to recognize uh, uh, some family members. Uh, and this is very important. Uh, for me, as I think about it, they have often, often prayed for and encouraged Fran and I. They've contributed greatly to getting the work done here. They're all, all of our children and married children are all involved here at Southland, as you're going to see in just a moment. And they gave us credibility through exemplary living and ministering. They made us look better than what we were. And so we want to honor and acknowledge uh, them as well. And I want to start by acknowledging my mom. 
uh, or friends, folks, uh, they attended the first service that, uh, that I preached at, and they were members in another church, and they were just going to come the first Sunday just to be a blessing to us. They'd always prayed for us, always blessed us, always encouraged us, always. In fact, uh, Fran's mom there, you see her, she was in love with me before Fran was, <laughs> and told Fran to marry me, and that's how I got Fran. Everybody should have a mother-in-law like that. I started a series out of, uh, out of the book of Acts that Sunday. It was just going to be a short series. And uh, then I discovered that my father-in-law was coming back because he wanted to hear the entire series. And when he did that, I stretched it out to six months. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew if I kept him there long enough, eventually he would bite and stay. And we needed all the help we could get. And, and it worked. And so they stayed, and they became one of the first uh, cell leaders. Uh, when, when I established a cell ministry six months in, uh, Fran and I were the, uh, one, and then I think Darren, who you saw in there, he was, he was a cell leader too, but anyway. Um, and then my, my in-laws, they became cell leaders. They had never led a cell or small group in their life. They, they were just most unlikely people to do that. And... Uh, and they did, and I would go there every, uh, once a week at noon, and I would teach them the lesson, and then they would teach it. And then after six months, they said, we don't need you anymore. We know what we're doing. And that was the end of it. I didn't get free lunches after that. <laughs> um, so I bless them and honor them today. My mom is the next one that I want to honor, and uh, my father passed away already in 2000. And, and so they were members in Winnipeg, but after... Uh, my dad passed away in 2000. My mom moved over to our church from their church in Winnipeg where they were members. She got very involved in, in the seniors ministry with Grace Hebert. Greeting, kitchen help, and you name it, she's done it here. I remember at one point uh, she was in at least five different volunteer organizations in the community. And uh, she never had time uh, for anything she, because in retirement she was so busy uh, just going from one thing to the next. So my mom has modeled uh, for me a very strong work ethic and a servant heart. And she serves uh, to this day. And we hear uh, constant reports about her, and I honor her and bless her and thank her today. Uh, then I think of our children, September 14th, 2004. Four, just shortly after uh, Stephen uh, was saved, I was meditating in the Old Testament, and uh, as I read First. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 20, the Holy Spirit stopped me and rested my attention and spoke to me, and he said, now I'm not just calling you, I'm calling your entire family. Now, I didn't tell him. That would have scared him off. But I, uh, I, I typed it up, and I put it on the backsplash of, in my office right behind my desk, and it was there until just recently, uh, all those years. And uh, so I just want to honor uh, some of them, uh, who you never, many of you don't even know who they are, but uh, Stefan, of course, you do, and I honored him last week because the founder of Four Winds and, and uh, has directed that whole thing admirably, and then also he's an already mentoring in level one of church renewal. Uh, but I want to, and so I say thank you to Stefan uh, because he's, uh, he's made me proud, uh, Fran and I. And uh, then there's Louise's wife, a Welsh woman, and we always say she's a Welsh woman. She's from Wales and uh, married into our family. What a gift she has been to us. Assisted in Four Winds for years. Now half-time as a volunteer. She's led cells, pure desire groups, and she just blesses us over and over. 
Kevin uh, Travis. Uh, Kim has been leading a very large women's cell Tuesday mornings, and uh, she's in the prayer ministry. She just joined Church Renewal Halftime as an administrative assistant to Fran. Fran is now my executive uh, assistant in Church Renewal, and she's doing that halftime as a volunteer. And Travis, Travis Neufeld, son of uh, Lennon Tilly, um, has been a table leader for men's cells for years. He serves in middle school ministry, is also in my marketplace leader leadership team. And so I want to say a special thank you to them and their ministry uh, to Fran and I and to this church and, and how, that's, how that's helped and blessed us. And then I think of Julie and Lance. For years, Julie led my I1 intercessors team. She's still one of my prayer partners, or I1 intercessors, prays for me uh, nonstop. Often when there's a crisis, a critical thing, I call Fran in addition to Grace, but Fran and Julie, and they're praying for me. Women's cell leader for many years, also part of our foster adoption ministry. They've adopted three kids, which is just priceless. I was hugging them before. Lance has led a husband cell of about 50 men for seven years now, and they do a fantastic job, and they make us proud. And then, of course, there's uh, Chris and Ladon. Chris uh, was honored and awarded last week, and he's filled a variety of roles, a young adults uh, pastor and teaching pastor, uh, associate pastor and executive pastor, now your new lead pastor. And LaDawn is a leader in her own right, and uh, she doesn't uh, clamor for attention or anything like that, but boy, does she lead. She knows how to found something. She had a vision from God, and I remember her telling me about it, and she <laughs> away she went and uh, launched the fabulous Salem Ministry for moms and kids. She's in her ninth year, over 150 moms, and, and she's going to be your new pastor's wife now. And uh, I, you're honored, uh, I'm honored uh, that, that she is, uh, she's going to take that role. She'll do a fantastic job. And then, lastly, uh, uh, from, the, uh, from our family, I want to say a special thank you to God for our grandkids. And we've got 17 of them. And uh, five or six of the, and when it gets into the third generation, then you know something's happening. And uh, their parents have done a fantastic job. But five or six of the older ones have already been serving in the church for years. And uh, Austin wrote recently that his father, that's Stephen, his uncle, Chris, and Papa, me, we're all pastors, and that he just wrote this recently, and he wants to follow in our footsteps and pastor at Southland one day as well. That's third generation, and that boy, that just, uh, I could have never imagined. And that last song we sang, Come and Magnify the Lord with Me, uh, what he's done is just phenomenal in this church family, just incredible. And then lastly, I, wa I want to say a special thank you to my wife, uh, Fran, and, uh, honey, you remember that conversation in the park before we got married? And we were sharing dreams of what we wanted to do and what we thought we were going to do. We weren't married yet. And uh, I won't even tell you what we were thinking of becoming um, because you'd laugh. But it certainly didn't include this. It had, it had nothing to do with church work. had nothing to do with pastoring. That much I can tell you. But what a journey with God these last 44 years together. And I honor you. You've never flagged. 
You've been the best partner pastor could possibly ask for. You prayed for me countless times. You encouraged me, blessed me, supported me, helped me. And tomorrow, by faith, we embark on the last and biggest leg of our ministry journey. God's asking us to do something, and we'll have to rely on him together, just like we had to rely on him to do something here at Southland. Now we're going to have to rely on him for something national and international. All we have accomplished, the Lord has done for us, and that's who I want to honor last and above all. He has done great things, hasn't he, church? Yeah. Over the years, I've recounted, as Sarah said on the, on the recording there in the video, hundreds of stories of God's faithfulness. Actually, miracle stories. Nothing short of miracle stories. And um, I'm just going to share one, but I share it not for the sake of sharing a story. I share it to honor the Lord. That's why. 2004, in March, we were in... in uh, uh, I was praying on Crescent Beach in White Rock, Br British Columbia. We were about to take a flight to Toronto, speak in the former church that I pastored. And I was just finishing my prayer time when the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, now you've got to go back and tell your church. This is 2004, beginning of 2004. You've got to tell them what you actually believe about the Holy Spirit. Because, you see, I believe things about the Holy Spirit privately that the church didn't believe. And he said, you've got to go back and tell him, which is why if anything was happening, it's because of him. And I remember saying to the Lord, I remember it so clearly, I said, Lord, I can't do that. If I do that, the church is going to split or I'm going to lose my job. And he responded curtly, because that's what he does with leaders. He, he has an expectation of them. He said, what's that to you? You obey. And I got the message. And uh, so I went back, and I met with the board chair, and uh, I explained to him over breakfast that uh, what I believed about the Holy Spirit, and he was very surprised because I, 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 I hadn't told them. And, uh, and I said, I, I know this isn't what the, what the church would, you know, this isn't what the church is, and so if you, you know, if you want me to leave, then I'll leave quietly. I'll be, I will not cause division. And he said, can you give me two weeks to think and pray? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And a couple of weeks later, he called me back and he said, would you write up a paper on what you believe about the Holy Spirit? And I said, well, let me write it about these controversial areas. So I wrote up, a, and, and, he, and he agreed, and I wrote up six and a half pages, and I took it to the board, and I presented, uh, I did a presentation a month later at the board meeting, and, uh, and then we, I gave him copies, and the board chair told them to take it home and to read and think about it and, and pray about it and then come back with lots of questions and we'd have discussion. And I assumed this was going to take a period of, it, it could take six months, maybe it would take longer, but I was, I was going to try to teach them what I believe the scriptures were saying about that. They came back the next month and it was open for discussion. It was the only thing on the agenda and I, uh, I was very nervous. Lots of prayer was going on. The prayer team was praying. Fran was praying. And uh, when it came time for questions and discussion, nobody had a question. And I knew that was a problem. And I thought, uh, it's over right here. But I thought, at least I've been obedient. Amen? 
It's not about results. It's about obedience. The Christian life, by faith, is one long obedience. That's what it is. And I felt good about that part, but I was very nervous about this. And they, um, they, they never, nobody asked a question. I had my head down. I didn't want to look up. And uh, finally, the board chair said, it was Len, and he said, doesn't anybody have a question? Are, like, are you telling me you're ready for a vote? And finally, there was a motion, a second, and they voted. And then my head was down. And all I remember hearing is this, these words, it's unanimous. And with that... They had accepted that. And of course, we took it to the church. We had a special service in which uh, I repented on behalf of the church to the Lord for how we treated the Holy Spirit, and we invited him into the services. And I want to say this about it. This is the reason I tell this story. Since that time, we have more than quadrupled in our attendances. Our offerings went five times to, to 10 million uh, uh, per year. And since then, we, we brought in the Set Free, the Hearing God, the Empowered Ministers, the School of Ministers, Four Winds, Bird River Bible Camp, Tupendani, and Church Renewal, and, oh yes, the choir. <laughs> All of that after the Holy Spirit got a, got a seat at the table. Amen? Yeah, we honor Him. So that's uh, I've I've honored you, Lord, and I, and I'm, I'm just blessed to do it. Thank you for what you've done for us. And now I want to leave a charge with you, and then a charge for Chris. Uh, here is my charge to you. Paul did that for Timothy before he died, and I'm not about to die, but I am about to pass on a baton to take on another assignment. And uh, so here is my charge to you. And the first one is. Grow in prayer. I know you will under Chris. Chris already said something. He, he wants prayer to notch, notch it up. I, I, I can't tell you how pleased I was when I heard that. I'll tell you something else that pleases me. When I try to go to his office and I find out he's in the prayer room, that pleases me. Then I know we're on to something. Then, when I, then I know we've got the right guy. Now, as a lead pastor, this is my last chance to do this with you, okay? So I'm going to enjoy it while I can I'm going to make it one last announcement. So, what's this Tuesday, church? Prayer Summit. Summit. And how many of you are going to be there? Good. Awesome. Now, I have one more commitment on this matter of prayer. Chris and LaDon and their family and the leaders around them are going to need your prayers all the time. This is what I want you to do. I want you to, pay, I want you to tape it. And you can, um, if, you, if you'll slip it on, even on the back of the tape, slip my name in friends, that'd be great for church renewal. Many churches involved. But if you would tape it to your mirrors where you, where you shave and where you do your makeup and stuff, put, paste it on your windshields where you look when you're driving. <laughs> you're not supposed to hold anything, so don't hold anything. Put both hands here, but just put it on the windshield. And, uh, no, you know, please don't. I'm going to get in trouble now. I'll be in the, well, I'm not going to say. Put, put, it, put it somewhere. Tape it. Tape it all over your house, on your refrigerator, everywhere. Tape it. And then pray. Because there's a large target that is, that is now being painted on Chris. 
And the target's still on me too because the influence on other churches. But it's a big target on there and Satan's going to go after him and he's going to do it through people for the most part. That's how he's going to do it. He'll do it other ways too, but that's how he's going to do it. You need to pray. If you pray, it'll go well. If you don't, it won't. Okay? That's the first thing. Second thing. So the first one is what? So here's the second one. Follow your leaders. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders. Submit to them for... They are keeping watch over your souls. We, it, you see us laughing, you see all kinds of smiles in the pictures and everything, but behind the scenes, it's dead serious. I, I don't mean that we don't have fun behind the scenes, but what I mean is, in prayer and everything else, it's dead serious work. There are souls on the line. Does that make sense? As those who have to give an account, and, and Pastor Chris and is going to have to give a special accounting to God that you will not have to. And I will, I will have to too for my last 22 years or last 30. Uh, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. Be part of the solution, not the... Amen, church. You're amazing. Anyone can criticize. That's easy. But here's the question I have for you. Will you help the church? That's the question. So... Um, the first one was what? The second one is? Follow and pray for them. And here's the third and last one to charge for you. Grow in purity and holiness in your thoughts, in your speech, in your conduct. Rid yourselves of any quarreling, any dissension, any gossip, any slander, any rude behavior, filthy language, and sexual immorality. Get rid of it. Amen? Be Grow in holiness and purity. And if you see that there are people in, in, in the church that are insisting that this is okay, confront them in love. But st let's stop this and let's become completely what Jesus wants us to become. Amen? Grow your character. That's patterns of living. Good character is holy living. Bad character is sinful living. And there's no room for unforgiveness and bitterness. That is not an option. Root it out of your life. Amen? Root it out of your life. And out of the life of the church. There are dark clouds on the horizon. And there's no time for our leaders to be wasting with pettiness. And quarreling. Amen? And when we are wasting time on ourselves... We can't be taking on the forces out there. And we can't be reaching souls. And so if we all do our part, that's what it takes to pull together. Amen? The Lord is near, and you and I will give account for every idle word. So the first one was what? Pray. Second one is? And what's the last one? Grow. Exactly. And grow in what? Purity and? Very good, church. And here's my charge to Chris. Uh, Fran and I have a memory of Chris. He was four years old, wearing a little green suit and a bow tie. We had just come back from church. He was wearing a white shirt. And he was standing on the coffee table. And do you know what he was doing? Preaching. Yeah, he was preaching. And do you know what his, mess his, his very first message was? You gotta get saved. <laughs> uh, I kid you not. That was the first topic he preached. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'll never, we'll never forget it. It was a great sermon. It was short. A lot shorter than it is now. 
He just got right to the point. It was the weekly challenge. And he was preaching at his parents, you gotta get saved. And Julie would jump up on the, on the uh, coffee table right after that in her little, pretty little dress and stuff, and she would sing the special. And that ha happened, and today he's preaching, we're still waiting for Julie to get on and sing the special. But that's our memory. 2002, he started at Southland, uh, as I mentioned, the young adults, the pastor, then associate pastor, then teaching pastor, executive pastor. He's, he's carried it with such, uh, uh, with, with such character and grace, and I've admired it. And now it's a reality. Uh, pastor Chris, you are the new lead pastor at Southland Church. You've been faithful with a few things, and now you've been given charge of much. And so I have, a, I have three charges for Pastor Chris, just like I had charges for you. And the first one is intentionally grow in your relationship with Jesus. I'm not telling you something you don't already know and that you aren't already doing. If you weren't doing it, I wouldn't be passing the baton. Trust me, I wouldn't. Um, but I want to encourage you to grow in this. Be a man of prayer. Don't ever rely on your intellect, your intuition, which is, comes from experience, or the collective wisdom of your team members. Oh, they're all important. But in the end, there's only one vote that counts, and that's his. Listen carefully to what he says, because he'll often tell you something that's contrary to what, what the conventional wisdom is. And that's what he did with Mom and I just this last Monday about church renewal. Big change in church renewal just because of that. And um, that's the first thing, intentionally grow that. Number two, garden preach the truth, all of it. You already do, and that's what I like about you. Uh, you guard the good deposit, Paul said to Timothy, entrusted to you, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Don't be afraid to correct and rebuke and encourage, of course, with love. And finally, be strong. And of good courage, do not fear man. Fear only God. Fran gave me a verse many years ago that had, is connected to the very story that I told you. And I didn't share before, and now I will share it. When I got home from the meeting from the board, I was crying because I thought it was over for me at Southland. She met me at the door like this. She's never done it before or since in 44 years. She said, I have a word for the, from the Lord for you today. And I said, oh, I need a word from the Lord. And this word has sustained me since that day. And I pass it on to you, Pastor Chris. And it's taken out of Isaiah chapter 8, verse 11 to 14 in the uh, New Living Translation. And it says this, the Lord has said to me in the strongest terms, do not think like everyone else. Do not fear that some plan conceived behind you will be the end of you. Do not fear anything except the Lord Almighty. He alone is the Almighty God. If you fear Him, you need fear nothing else. He will keep you safe. And that is my charge to you. And so at this point, I would like to call uh, Pastor Chris and LaDon and Fran, board and staff members that have asked to come and join us here for the presentation. If you'd come up at this time, that'd be great.
And don't, uh, don't hide in the shadows. Just come right up close so we can see you. Yeah, that's great. It's important that you're part of this. Yeah. Thank you, leaders. Appreciate it very much. In December 2016, Fran and I, for a year, uh, starting already 2015, um, I'd had a sense that the time was getting very, very close. I'd known for years that I'd been transitioning. I first talked to the board about it when I was only 52 years old, about transitioning and that the transition would be to Chris. That was many years ago. That's 11 years ago. And, uh, but now I began to sense from the Holy Spirit as I prayed that the time was getting close and our calling was going into, uh, into church renewal, the broader church. And um, then in December 2016, Fran was in the, in the hospital right at Christmas time. And I left, um, I had been visiting her, and I left to come to the uh, Christmas Eve service, which was amazing, over the top. The Spirit was moving powerfully, uh, the worship and everything. Oh, oh my, the word, everything, just amazing. And I was sitting right there, and uh, tears were just streaming down my face. And... Uh, the Spirit was moving, moving in me, and I knew that the time was close. And all once he spoke to me, just as peacefully and clearly as, as you can get, as I watched everything, had had nothing to do with it, and uh, he said, they're good to go. You can release now. And uh, I told Fran, I said, it's time. And so on January the 5th, I met with Chris and I shared with him, and we shared many, uh, I, I think we cried more than we talked in that particular meeting, and we both knew that the Holy Spirit was in that meeting, and that it was time, and, and I talked to the staff, and I talked to the board, and uh, then I told Len, just in a private conversation, because something I saw in his office, and I said, you know what I want, uh, I, and I had said this to Fran for some time, I said, I want to, on that day, I want to hand a baton to Chris. As a picture, the prayer partners even had a, pic uh, had a picture of a baton. I want to hand a baton. And uh, so I mentioned to Len because I thought he would, uh, he would help me find something. Like, oh, where, where do you get something, you know? And uh, then I mentioned it to the staff. I mentioned to Ryan and Eunice and uh, whoever would listen. And uh, Chris, <laughs> Grace Fast. And, and I said, I, I want to hand a baton to him. And I, I just shared it. And uh, Len said, uh, yeah, I'm going to get back to you. And he, but he didn't get back to me, and, uh, which meant to me he couldn't find anything either. So here I was. We're, we're down to two months, and then we're a month and a half. And so at this point, I'm, I'm, heading, off, you know, I'm heading off to the dollar store to see if I can find something, <laughs> a pink one. And uh, I was going to take a felt marker and write a few things on there. And, and then, but I wanted to hand off this baton. The staff then got wind of it. I think it was Landon who, uh, who, who sniffed it out. And he told, uh, he told Ryan, and Ryan, I mean, whatever he was doing, he dropped it, he was in my office seconds later. He said, now this thing about the baton that, you, uh, uh, that you're uh, trying to do, um, I think I need to talk to you. And, and it was then that I discovered that all along behind the scenes they had been working on a baton. And, uh, and it is no small thing. It is an amazing one. What I didn't know was that I was getting one too. Uh, because uh, I told Ryan, oh, I wish I was 
I, I wish I was being transitioned to so I could get a baton. And he said, yeah, well, that's how it goes, right? You know? <laughs> Somebody, somebody's got to get it, and somebody's got to give it away. And as it turned out, I got a gold one, and he got a silver one. <laughs> and if that thing is missing from my office... Anyway, it's designed by Ryan Workington, the baton. It was crafted by Joan Jen Waldner, from, and they said it's one of the most uh, uh, complex things they've ever done. I had no idea. Like, you'll want to see it. Get in trouble here at church, you'll end up in his office, and then... <laughs> the box is crafted by Alan Holmes. The box is finished by Lawrence Friesen, and I thank them very much. I chose a verse to be engraved on it, on uh, Chris's. It's 2 Timothy 2.15, and I... And I say this to you, Chris, as I read it here, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Workman who does not need to be ashamed when Jesus comes. Who correctly handles the word of truth. You've been doing that already. I'm very confident you will. And it has the years that I served as lead pastor on there, and it has Chris's starting date, and it has no ending, which means he is here till Jesus comes. So you're good on the long-term commitment. We took care of that for him. <laughs> that was a vote that they, that they liked it. <laughs> and so now I want to uh, make the presentation. I want to hand off the baton to you officially for the final time. Pastor Chris Dirksen, I charge you in, in the presence of God and these witnesses to lead with integrity. Pastor Chris, I charge you before God and these witnesses to lead in truth, to lead with wisdom, to lead with perseverance, to lead with love, and to lead with courage. And you know what? I have every confidence that you're going to do it because you already have been doing it. But that is my charge to you as I hand off the responsibilities and accountability for this church. May God bless you, Chris. couple of written statements here, 30 minutes or so, and then we'll be done. Uh, I just I feel so blessed to be a part of this church family, I've said for 15 years already. I just feel lucky that I get to get up every morning and come to work here. Uh, I just love our church family. It's a big church, but actually, I've been in a lot of small churches, but uh, it's, it's a family. This church is a family, and I love it, and I love you guys, and I, love this, I, I really love the staff. I love who I get to work with every day, and uh, it's awesome. I have to don't, don't look back there and I'm going to cry again, so I, and I hate that, so i got to stop looking back there. But anyway, I feel lucky to have been born into the family I was born into. 
Uh, I feel lucky to have gotten dad to be my boss the last 15 years, and, and I feel really lucky that I get to be his boss now, which is uh, <laughs> a manner of speaking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I feel, uh, and I feel really blessed. I feel really lucky uh, to have my wife, LaDonna, up here with me today. Uh, she's, she's been, she's amazing. And uh, I just feel so blessed. Uh, I prayed uh, 16 years now we've been married, and I, I prayed it must be, whatever, almost 17 years ago when I started to pray that God would trick her into marrying me, and he did that, and I am so appreciative of him for doing that. But uh, a lot of people don't realize that she, I mean, this is not, a, this is not just a nine-to-five job where it's like, I have my job, she can do her thing, and then, and then we can have a family, but it doesn't really matter. It's, this, is like a, this is a family calling. And this only works because she's given her yeses to God over and over and over again over the years. And, and this past weekend, I've just been reflecting on uh, uh, you know, one of those first big yeses. When we first got married, I, I told her, no, I'm not going to be a pastor, or at least not for a few years, which already suggests some, some problems there. But uh, for sure not for a few years, I wouldn't be a pastor. But, and then we had been married like three months or, or four months or whatever it was, and we were in Korea. And I'm having my devotions, Ezra 7 verse 10, and oh, shoot. So I'm called to ministry. And, uh, and so I'll never forget having that, going for that walk with her. We were along the river there. The Han River runs right through Seoul, uh, Korea. And we're walking alongside there. And, and uh, what many of you don't, don't realize is like she had, when we, like we were only going to be gone for a year. And when we came back, she had thousands of dollars of, of scholarships that she was going to be taking her master's degree. They were going to pay her way for her master's. She's going to have a super good job when she was done, already part of it with the government with some stuff, and, and uh, really bright and amazing in addition to being beautiful and all that. And, uh, <laughs> and I just never forget that walk along the river, and right there, we didn't know it would ever come to this. Like, we didn't even know I would work at Southland. I didn't know where I would work. I just, we just said yes to God. Could have been anywhere. I didn't think we would end up here. Southland was small. You don't hire family, all that sort of stuff. And and regardless of that, she just said yes right there and just dropped everything. And she just said yes to God. And she's been saying yes ever since. And uh, like I said, it's a calling on the family. A lot of people don't realize when you, have a, when you take on a role like this at a church this big, uh, you know, Dr. Weiss was talking last week about uh, us husbands got to help our wives. And I 100% agree with that. I'm all in. Monday through Friday, I'm in. But on the weekends, I can't help her here. And uh, I remember trying one time, I said, okay, today, I mean, because, you know, most of you, when you're dropping off your 400 kids, right, you have your husband to help you or you have your wife to help you. And uh, so I said, you know, this week I'm helping you. I'm going to drop off the kids at Kidsmen. And so I took our youngest, started walking. Of course, someone grabbed me right away. There was some kind of problem or something. I started talking to them. He got lost. And next thing you know, someone brings him, bawling his eyes out to Laron. And Laron said, I don't want your help anymore. (laughs) I don't want your help anymore. And so she carries that. That's a big role. And so she said yes over and over again. And of course, Selah now, uh, you know, nine years she's been doing that. And, uh, and so she's a leader, like Dad said, in her own right. And it, that's the only reason this works. And so I honor and thank God for her. He's amazing. And then I, I want to just uh, lastly thank Jesus as well. And uh, he has been so great. He's been far more gracious and generous to me than I deserve. And yesterday in my devotions, I was trying to find, I actually took time, I was trying to find a prayer in my life somewhere that he hasn't answered, and I couldn't find one. And he has been so good, and I really believe that one day we're all going to stand, every human being who's ever lived, we're every single one, whether you believe in him or not, we are all going to stand before him someday, and that's why I'm, that's why I'm saying yes to this job. And I believe he's worth it, and he's good, and so we're going to keep following him, we're going to keep 
listening to him. We're going to keep setting the captives free. And we're going to keep praying. We are going to pray. We're going to pray more. And I'm looking forward to that. And it starts on Tuesday. But I wanted to just share briefly just three words. Quick, uh, you don't have to write these down because uh, I think we're going we're gonna to live these. Uh, we're going to experience these. I feel like Jesus gave me uh, three words for this next season that this is what he wants his church to be. And I, I believe we're going to experience it. But the three words are joyful, uh, generous, and fearless. And, uh, and I, I, I got this picture. Uh, it was a, of a ship, and the ship was our, our church family, this, this old sailing ship or whatever. And it's kind of a takeoff of a picture that uh, Dad got from his prayer partners a few years ago. But, and there was all these other ships shooting at that ship, and I, it was kind of a dark picture. And I thought, I, I don't like this picture. I don't, I don't want to take this. If that's a picture, I don't, I don't, I don't like this. And then, uh, and then the picture zoomed in, and I wasn't driving the ship. I don't know how many of you seen, uh, have seen a movie, What About Bob? But I was actually tied to the front of the ship uh, with ropes. And, uh, and the ship was kind of creening wildly, and it was getting shot at. And then there was a picture of Jesus. He was the one behind the wheel. And he had this mischievous glint in his eyes, and he was having fun. And... Uh, and he was laughing. And I thought to myself, that's not appropriate to be laughing in the middle of a battle. I don't think that's appropriate. And, uh, and, and, uh, and so I said, I'm going to need some scriptures just to confirm this. And so immediately he gave me three scriptures. Mark chapter 4. Uh, he reminded me of this story where the disciples are in a boat. And it's a, it's a crazy storm. And the disciples think they're going to die. And where's Jesus? He's fast asleep in the bottom of the boat. And I can hardly wait to see the video of this in heaven. Because I am convinced that he had one eye open the whole time. And he was laughing his head off as these guys were freaking out. And at the end of it, he tells them, why did you have so little faith? Why did he say that? Because when Jesus is in the boat with you, you never need to freak out. And he brought me to Psalm 23, verse 5. He sets a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And, you know, the battle lines are drawn up, and it looks dark. There are dark clouds in the horizons. And the enemy is rattling his sabers, and he's all dressed in black, and he's threatening to kill, and he's angry, and he's mad, and the battle lines are drawn up. And Jesus says, time for a picnic. He sets a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And then I thought of Acts chapter 5. The disciples get dragged before the religious leaders, and they get threatened. You better stop what you're doing. And then they get beaten. And when they leave, they don't go and cower in their basements. They leave and they are what? Rejoicing. And so I really believe that's the work that God wants to do in this tr church in this next season as well. Uh, I think, you know, when the media takes their shots at us, and they will, they will. But when they do that, we're not going to cower. We're not going to be afraid. We're going to be overcome by anxiety. We're going to laugh and rejoice. And then we're going to love them and we're going to pray for them. And when a culture, when other, when other churches sometimes do, when other Christians sometimes do, we're not going to get defensive. We're not going to get mad. We're going to love them. We're going to pray for them. We're going to rejoice. And out of, out of that joy and out of that fearlessness, I think is going to come a generosity. Pastor Ray, over the last 22 years, this church has really grown in maturity. And at a certain point when a, tr when a, when a fruit tree gets mature, I don't know how much bigger it necessarily gets, but it starts to give lots of fruit. And I really believe the, the blessings that have been piling up on this church over the last 22 years, we're going to spend the next 22 years and beyond whatever just giving all those blessings away. We are going to give, and we're going to give, and we're going to give. It's sometimes going to be borderline reckless. We still have Eunice, so that's good. Uh, it's going to be led by the Spirit. We're going to pray, but it's going to be fun. And I really believe in the coming years and decades that I'm here, we're going to give away millions of dollars to other churches and to help other churches. 
through church renewal. I believe we're going to give millions of dollars to great commission projects. That we, I want to see the great commission completed in our generation. Amen. And I believe we're going to give millions of dollars to needy, hurting, uh, poor people in this community, in Uganda, in Africa, and around the world because Jesus is in the boat with us and we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. Amen. So thank you. I love getting to be a part, my family and I, to be a part with uh, this church family. Okay, we're going to invite the uh, children to come out. Here they come, Joy and Charlie and Eden and Boaz. Give them a welcome. Here comes the family. (laughs) All right, what a beautiful family. Maybe just move up just a touch more and everyone come in here, all the leaders to come around. And we're going to be uh, praying for them, so I'd like to invite you to stand. And we're going to pray over them, lay hands on on the family, uh, and then we're going to pray for them. You can hold out your hands, uh, symbolically indicating that you're laying hands on them as well. Father, we want to thank you um, for for this event this weekend, that you've brought your church this far. You promised you would build your church, and here's one example of a local church within your broader church that you have been building and you've been changing and transforming us and we give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you made it possible through the death and sacrifice, through your death and sacrifice. And Holy Spirit, thank you for the amazing things you've done in our midst, in our lives, and we uh, honor you for that. Now we ask that you would fill Uh, Pastor Chris and LaDon and their children, fill them with your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would anoint them. They're going to need a special anointing and filling for the role that they are now taking on. As we pass the mantle of leadership to them, fill them with a joy inexpressible and full of, of glory, as Peter said. We ask that you would fill them with hope that uh, that, that they be uh, filled with the hope shed abroad in their hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, that they would experience a, pa- uh, a peace, as Paul said, that passes all understanding, and um, that you would grant them love and great courage as they uh, take every day carrying this mantle and burden of leadership, um, and they do it in submission and love for you. And Father, we ask also, we thank you for the gifts of of leadership and administration and preaching and teaching and all these gifts that you've given them to accomplish the things they have thus far. But Lord, they're going to need a new measure of it. And so we ask that you would increase their capacity in these areas, that you would refashion it for them to be able to accomplish what you're asking them to accomplish. We pray, too, that your spirit would continue to guide and bring the things in their lives that would help their characters grow so that through them modeling, it would be attractive to everyone else in this church and people around this church uh, so that they, too, would want to grow in their characters and follow you. Father, we ask also that you would give them, grant them leaders, that you would raise up another generation of leaders. Thank you for the leaders you've already given us that have walked with us 
And uh, thank you for a whole new set of young leaders that are coming up who have given themselves completely uh, to you. We ask that you would raise up the leaders they're going to need in the, uh, in the days to come. The ones that you've been preparing in secret, not the ones that we think they are, but the ones that might be hidden somewhere like David was. Raise those kinds of leaders for them because they're going to need them. And then, Father, lastly, we would ask that you would grant them some friends. Not friends who are looking for notoriety, not friends that are looking for publicity, that they're connected to a lead pastor, but, but friends who are truly friends in secret and quiet, who uh, will encourage them, will help them, will serve them, will love them, and uh, walk with them and be a confidant to them. And uh, we ask all these things in Jesus' name, and we ask it with thanksgiving because we already know that we have what we have asked for, because we asked for it according to your will. In the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so everyone agreed by saying, Amen, amen and Amen. Thank you.